Let's look again at, and thank you for that prayer. You know, honestly, that's, how do you read your Bible? Well, I read it because I want to knock it out and knock this out. Well, what the brother prayed, let us uh, retain and learn. You know, when I come to the, the house of God, it's good to hear scriptures, but let me retain it and let me learn something. And if you read to learn things from the Bible, you will gain insights from that attitude. I was reading uh, Psalm 91 and verse 1. This is not the Bible study, but Psalm 91 and verse 1. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. And I've heard that so many times. And I started to look at the verse and the word he that dwelleth, that means to sit down, to rest. You know, like uh, we're seat, Christ has made us to sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So you, you kind of just rest. And that's really what God wants us to do is rest. Well, it said in the secret place. What's that mean? In a place of covering. Now, it's a hiding place. In the military, you have cover and concealment. Now, cover... That's something hard, like a, a wall that you can hide behind, okay? Concealment is just like maybe leaves or something that you might be hidden, but it's not going to stop a bullet, okay? And if it's the only thing you got, that's okay. But So what was this Bible scripture in 91.1 of, of Psalms talking about? I believe it's talking about cover, a safe place, because the Bible said, they shall dwell in the shadow of the Almighty. Have you ever thought about that? So what is a shadow? A shadow comes behind something because the sun is shining and then you've got the object and behind the object, there's a shadow. If the Bible says we'll abide in God's shadow. So you're literally right behind God. No, preacher, you might be right in front of God. Either way, you're good. You know, it's like, you might be standing behind Dwayne the Rock Johnson or in front of Dwayne the Rock Johnson, but it don't matter. You're near Dwayne the Rock Johnson, and you're going to be okay wherever you go, right? If someone comes up to you, they're just going to say, hey, Mr. Rock, they won't even see you, right? Because the rock will give the eyebrow, and they'll just move on. But I've got someone even greater than that, and that's the rock Christ Jesus, and abiding in the shadow of God is a safe place. Amen. It's not the Bible study, but that's what you get when you try to learn something from God. And I told my wife, I've read that scripture a hundred times and haven't gotten anything from it. So if I can still learn, we all can still learn. Amen. God's good. God's word is good. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 15. And to apply this verse of scripture in our hearts and let the peace of God rule or be like an umpire in your hearts. To the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. And really the peace of God is something I use as a measure. Well, let's, let's i tell you what, I'll get into that in a moment. But first I have to tell you about Johnny. So Johnny was sitting at the bar, staring at his drink when a large, troublemaking like biker, you know, with the jacket and everything, steps up next to him grabs his drink right in front of him, gulps it down in one swig, slams it back down and said, thank you, little man, what you gonna do about it? And Johnny, who was already having a bad day, just burst into tears, you know. <laughs> and then the biker kind of calms down and says, come on, man, 
I didn't think you would cry. <laughs> I can't stand to see a man crying. What, what, what's going on, man? What's your problem? And so Johnny, who had just had his drink stolen, said, this is the worst day of my life. I'm a failure. I was late to a meeting and my boss fired me. When I went to the parking lot, I found my car had been stolen and I don't have insurance. I left my wallet in the cab that I took home. I found my wife uh, and the mailman together. Then my dog bit me. So I came to this bar to work up the courage to put an end to it all. I buy a drink, drop some poison in it, and sit here watching the poison dissolve. Then you show up and drink my beer. And then he says, so how's your day going to the biker? Thank the dope. Say, well, preacher, what are you going to talk about tonight? Thanks giving or thanks and an antidote. And we've been dealing with portmanteaus. So if you want to label it, it's going to be a thank the dope. And why do you need it's thanks and now portmanteau is two words that you combine together like Wi-Fi. We have them all over the place. Wireless and fidelity. Have you ever heard someone uh, with a big, big tablet and it's so big, it's called a phablet, right? It's a phone and a tablet. That's a portmanteau. How about email, electronic and mail? All those are portmanteaus. Emoticon, emotion and icon. So we're going to go thanks and antidote and we're going to call it thankedote. Now, what is that? Well, you need an antidote after you have poison. You're subjected to poison. Maybe it's a snake bite. Maybe it's a, in your drink at the bar. I don't know. But when there's poison, if someone else drinks it, that's an antidote, I guess. So. Now, an antidote is a substance that stops the harmful effects of a poison. And they have them, I think, for rattlesnake bites. Maybe even if you uh, have a bee sting and have an allergic reaction, they have drugs that can counteract. Uh, They have antidotes, I think, for chemical or nerve agents, and you have to have this antidote, I believe, for opioids. And this is not funny, but if someone overdoses on an opioid, they have something called Narcan, and the cops will come and administer that, and it reverses the effects of of the drugs that someone has ingested or taken. So an antidote is also something that corrects or improves the bad effects of something. Why do you need an antidote? Because you already have the poison in you. And so at this Bible study, we'd like to look at three poisons that are out there in the road of life. And sometimes they hit us. And we want to deal with how some people react to the poisons because there's different kinds of antidotes that the world has when they're subjected to the poisons of life. And then we would also like to suggest or make a case for God's antidote. And it's not a secret. God's antidote is Thanksgiving and my favorite song going outside. You know, whenever I hear a song like that, I tell my dog, that's my favorite song. And if you can't hear it in the podcast, it's this big baritone like bass going boom, 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 which you can't really hear in the car, but everyone else can hear it. And maybe in the next uh, time zone too. So thank the dope. And you know, before I go any further, I I looked at, I wanted to get some backup from the world. Now I don't, I don't get the world to back up the word of God. Okay. God's word 
is higher than the world's wisdom, okay? But it's nice when the world agrees that I'm not just trying to say, don't worry, be happy, like Bobby McFerrin, because I don't think he was a doctor, but he had a lot to say. So in today.com, it says there was an article, be thankful, science says, gratitude is good for your health. Researchers are finding that gratitude doesn't just make you feel like a better person. It's actually good for your health. And writing here, it said, if you need one more reason to be thankful, here it is. More and more researchers are finding that gratitude just doesn't make you feel like a better person. It's good for you. And then they quote Robert A. Emmons, a professor of psychology at UC Davis. Clinical trials indicate that the practice of gratitude can have a dramatic and lasting effect in a person's life. It can lower blood pressure. No, it can't. Yes, it can. Improve immune function. That means you'll get sick less. It's like vitamin G, gratitude, right? And facilitate more efficient sleep. Preacher, all from being thankful... That's what science says, but that's what God says too. So maybe God's not so dumb, right? Quote, they showed a better well-being, a less depressed mood, less fatigue, and they slept better, said the study's author, Paul J. Mills. When I'm more grateful, I'll feel more connected with myself and with my environment. That's the opposite of what stress does. Researchers at the universities of Utah and Kentucky observed that stressed out law students who characterized themselves as optimistic actually had more disease fighting cells in their bodies. That means it can boost your immune system. This is science. I'm not talking about someone's ideas. This is, this is scientists. So, and then the Dr. Emmons says, people who keep a gratitude journal have a reduced... <laughs> Dietary fat intake. It even helps you to lose weight. That's what the studies show. Say, preacher, I need to have a dietary or a gratitude journal. Stress hormones like cortisol are 23% lower in grateful people. And having a daily gratitude practice could actually reduce the effects of aging to the brain. And there's more and more and more things down there, but we want to get into that. But science backs up what I'm about to say. But if you don't believe science and you don't believe me, believe the word of God. The word of God said, be ye thankful. And, and thankfulness at the end is connected to some other good things. So we're going to do with three poisons. What's the first poison? The poison, the thing that causes uh, evil symptoms, right? The poison of the unknown. That's the first poison. And it faces all of us. Say, preacher, what about tomorrow? What's going to happen next month? Who's going to be elected president next? Uh, our tax is going to go up. I don't know. <laughs> so is the, is, is the United States, is the Antichrist alive? I know that's the answer is no, but that's another Bible study. But So what symptoms does the poison of the unknown, like a rattlesnake bite would cause all kinds of sweating and pain and well, the symptom, of the, un the symptom of the poison of the unknown it produces, one of the things is fear. 
And really two ways to face the unknown are fear and faith. It's just two choices. And so preacher, I don't know if I'm going to get fired. I, you know, it's funny because I was working years ago at a place and it was slow. Uh, it was a snail factory. It was really slow. No, but anyway, so, uh, you know, I, sorry. I was, I got fired from the coffee factory because I just couldn't stand the grind, okay? But I got fired from the knife factory because I couldn't cut it. But no, so I was working, this really, I was working at a, at a place and it got so slow. I was working three days a week supporting a wife and uh, pastoring a church and they didn't pay you for the days you didn't work. <laughs> so, and it was slow. The economy was slow. It was construction. So they pulled me in the office and they said, Adam, could you work any less? That's not really what I wanted to hear. Because then I'd be working, what, two days a week? And I said, no. I said, fire me. You know, it's interesting when you can say that of yourself. And I'm like, I hold all the cards. This is what you should do. Fire me. It's better to get fired than to quit for certain reasons, I suppose. But I just said, fire me. Were you going to go on unemployment? I have never been on unemployment. Say, well, preacher, have you been without money? Yes, I've been without money. But I've never, and was unemployment wrong? No, you pay into it. You pay into the system. It's to help you in times of need. You're legitimately entitled to it. And they will take it back out of your taxes later. But uh, I just never received it. And so I just told them, fire me. Say, weren't you worried? No. So how are you going to eat? I don't know. I mean, how do you know that the electricity is on in your house right now? I just wasn't worried because I have an antidote for the unknown. On the way home, my boss, I think, called me and he goes, hey, uh, don't, don't quit. If you're good with the current system, we'll just keep you on it three days of the week. And I'm like, okay. So I kept going to work and doing side jobs or two with Reverend Patterson, really easy side jobs, like taking a house apart with hand tools, a big brick house. That was a, one of the dumbest, hardest jobs. I mean, we're on the roof, taking the roof apart. And when there's less roof, there's less places to... And then you're like on these... Ah, and the garage is way down. It was a concrete garage. Like, you know, like, what in the world are we doing? But we did it for almost no money. But anyway, that was another problem. But you know what? God took care of us. So what is one of the antidotes that the world uses with the unknown? And you'll find this. And this is an option if you want to try the antidote of the world. You know what the antidote of the world is for the unknown? Worry. Worry. <gasps> oh, no! What is this? <laughs> and you see all the time people are flipping out. So preacher, does it work? Well, I'm not saying all the antidotes work. I'm saying that that's an antidote for the unknown. Jesus said... Which of you, by taking thought, that means to be anxious. Which of you, by choosing this inaccurate antidote, can add one cubit to his stature? What's a cubit? I don't know, 18, 24 inches. It was an ancient measurement from your elbow to the tip of your longest finger. So that's a cubit. Okay? How can you, can you grow that much by, by worrying about it? Now, if you want to really grow... There's ways to overcome bad situations. There was a, a man named Zacchaeus. He was short of stature. He was vertically challenged, right? What did he do? I can't see Jesus! Ah! No, he just found a tree and he climbed up and changed where he was. That's how you grow. He just made a choice, right? 
And then Jesus saw him and abode at his house. And man, all kinds of stuff happened. You can check it out in the Gospel of Luke. But it's a choice. If someone offers you, and sometimes your emotions will offer you your emoticon, right? It will offer you, oh, what's going to happen? Here, try worrying as an antidote. You know what you can say? I don't want to take that thought. No thanks. (laughs) Jesus said, take therefore no thought. That again means don't worry. For the morrow. What do you mean tomorrow? What's going to happen tomorrow? I said, tomorrow's going to take thought for the uh, things of itself. You know what? It'll work out tomorrow. And sometimes you have to put tomorrow, tomorrow. Don't borrow tomorrow's problems today. I told my daughter, I said, you eat an elephant. How do you eat an elephant, honey? She goes, take one bite and give the rest to God. I'm like, I've never heard that. That is so awesome. The answer is one bite at a time, unless you just take one bite and say, God, can you take a bite? You know, help me out here, okay? But she just realized, you know, I can't figure it all out myself, but I can take it to God. You see, right before that, Jesus said, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. Be, be thankful unto God for all that he has done and for his word, and all these things shall be added unto you. Don't have to worry about it. God's got it. See, are not many stories destructive behaviors, really? No, honestly, the things that we've done in our life, aren't they honestly coping mechanisms for the hard parts of our life? When people are stressed out, they do this. You know, they wind up, you know, drinking poison at the, you know, legalized poison on Friday nights because they've had a rough week, you know, where everybody knows their name. And uh, The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 4, it lists a bunch of behaviors and it says, don't do that, but rather giving of thanks. He said, don't cope that way. Cope with thanksgiving. You see, God's antidote is not to worry about it. It's just to be thankful. A Puritan prayer says this. Those people that we're going to be celebrating, they have thanksgiving. Um... uh, There was a little boy that was told he couldn't mention Jesus. He had to write about Thanksgiving, but he couldn't mention Jesus. So, um, he goes, okay. Um, He said something like this. He said, the pilgrims were a people that came to America for freedom of you know what, so that they could worship you-know-who, which later gave us the freedom to go on Sunday and worship you-know-where. You know, but really it comes down to those Puritans were the fathers and mothers of our faith. So one of the Puritans said, Father, that you have given us so much. We ask for one more thing a thankful heart. You know, that's one thing that America, it's the only country, right? What's Thursday? Thanksgiving. Everyone's giving thanks. What's Friday? Trample one another day. It is. Like, you're laughing, but isn't that the truth? Five people injured because of the Xbox trampling at Walmart. It is like, what in the world? It's like thankfulness. Okay, done with that for the year. Let's go trample some folks and watch football. Okay. But God says, wait. Keep the antidote. Now, Black Friday's fun, okay? I'm not against shopping. I've done the Black Friday thing, and they used to give out lots of free stuff. It was, it was wild, okay? If you could stay up all night, it was wild. And it, free stuff everywhere. I mean, gift cards and everything. It was awesome. 
And no one really wanted it. I mean, so we got more of it. So, But faith in thanksgiving. There is a real faith in thanksgiving. Why? It's an antidote. You have to have it in faith. It says in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6, being confident of this very thing. Why, why would an antidote work anyway? It's showing faith in God. That he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. Doesn't God say, we know that all things work together for good. It's a preacher, but it's the unknown. Yeah, I don't know why it's happening, but I know it's going to work out because God's word says so. So my antidote to this situation is thanksgiving. In Psalms chapter 100, the Bible also said that it's kind of a pathway of access to God. It says, enter into his gates with what? Thanksgiving. If I want to get close to God and things are going crazy, Thanksgiving gets me closer. If you want to go to God's like, you know, interior, into his compound, if you please, into his gates. So we don't have gates around our houses and compounds and walls, but in other countries they do. Other countries like Houston. <laughs> have you ever driven through Houston? There's walls and gates. I was like, what is this place? Like, nice neighborhoods. And everyone's got these walls up and gates and everything. No one's been through Houston. It's different, okay? When I used to live in Africa, we had a big wall with broken glass on top of it, cemented in there, and then a big gate. We had a guard that would open the gate and everything. But God has gates too. How do you get in? Your, your card uh, to get in is faith and thanksgiving. That's how you get close to God when there's unknowns in our life. The Bible said it's also the path to peace in the unknown. In Philippians chapter 4 and verse 7, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Because with thanksgiving, if you pray and give your supplications to God, God's going to take care of you. Thanks is also like a heart gauge. You know, in your car, you have a fuel gauge, your temperature gauge, your oil gauge. Uh, but there's also a heart gauge, just in our lives, right? So you can test someone's heart gauge. The Bible says in Psalms 140, verse 13, Surely the righteous shall give thanks unto thy name. The upright shall dwell in thy presence. Isn't it interesting? When you're thankful unto God and praising God, it also says that God inhabits the praises of Israel. So if we're praising God and thanking God in the unknown, we are in the presence of God. And what is the will of God? Even in the unknown, it says, in everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God. If you want to abide in God's shadow like Psalm 91.1, uh, that sounds like a radio station, right? Psalm 91.1, playing the oldies, right? But Psalm 91, verse 1, if you want to abide in God's shadow, stay thankful. In everything, give thanks. In Ephesians, it talks about being filled with the Spirit as being thankful. As Well, preacher, okay, that's the unknown. Give me two more poisons because i got seven minutes. The poison of the unlike. What do you mean unlike, preacher? Is that like unliking someone on Facebook? Well, when there's someone that's not like us, that's different than us, whether you don't like them, a lot of times when people are different, it's a problem. In school, if you look different, someone will make fun of you. In the world, if you act different, someone won't like it, right? If you wait one second after the light turns green, someone's honking at you because we are a NASCAR generation, right? Right? 
And what's the symptom of the unlike, of people that are different than us, people that are going through things maybe that we're not going through? You know, I'm thankful that I go through things sometimes because guess what? When you face something, it gives you a lot more grace to someone else going through something. Because the symptom of the unlike can be a critical attitude. Where'd you learn to drive? Are they getting driver's license out in the Cracker Jack boxes? Doesn't that lady know what makes children? She has 17 kids. That's the critical attitude. That's the wrong attitude. So a preacher, people are different. I know, but look at all of these comment sections. People are not trying to help someone. They have this critical spirit. And the worst part is when we, when we see that symptom in our own lives, we have this critical attitude. Well, they should do this and they should do that. Didn't someone say that we're supposed to walk a mile in someone else's shoes, right? So that if it didn't work out, we'd have their shoes and we'd be a mile away from them. No, that's not. So we would understand their walk. And what's the world's antidote for having a critical attitude? Because people aren't like us. Criticism, envy, bitterness. And you know what? These antidotes don't work too well. The Bible says uh, we should rejoice with them that rejoice. Say someone gets a new car. Hey, praise God. Someone gets a new, you know, iPhone. I think they're on number 13. They should do like a Friday the 13th iPhone 13, right? They don't even have to pay me anything for that. So rejoice with them that do rejoice. Hey, praise God, bro. You got a new iPhone. Praise God, sis. You got a new uh, iPhone. (laughs) Okay, whatever people get. Praise God. What? I'm thankful. Well, what's God's antidote? Well, when someone's not like us, just to have a thankful response Even though someone's different, it brings us closer to them. You see, when we're critical, we're actually pushing people away. That holier-than-thou is from the Bible. And that's how religious people say, I'm holier-than-thou. But Jesus wasn't like that. He said, come unto me. When we have a thankful spirit, it's an open spirit. Even Jesus died with his hands spread apart. He was open to the needs of others, even though he was going through something. Let's go on to the next one because I'm almost out of time. The poison. So we have the poison of the unknown. And that faces, we all deal with that. The poison of the unlike. Welcome to Christmas traffic, okay? And the poison of the uncomfortable. What are the symptoms? Discomfort. Discontent. Anger. Well, what if you're a lady? I don't know. Anger. (laughs) Well, what's the antidote? Well, the world uses something called retail therapy. That's one antidote. I'm just going to go shopping. Uh, this one man said his wife was a, was a black belt in a MasterCard or something like that. But how about plain old complaining? Good old worry? So I have a question. Are happy people grateful or are grateful people happy? Have you ever thought about that? What do you think? The world may know that Spencer is right, okay? So the way that it's worded grammatically, you could say both, right? But it's the second I would propose that is correct. Are happy people grateful or are grateful people happy? So people, happy, happy people are grateful. 
Sometimes, but listen, uh, people be like, I'll be happy when the day is over. I'll be happy when I am better. I'll be happy when I'm out of this relationship. That's a circumstantial happiness. That's not happiness right now. But grateful people are happy because grateful people are grateful because they realize God's antidote. I'll be happy when I'm out of this relationship. So this wife was at her husband's deathbed and uh, the husband said, honey, let me be honest with you. I blew all our retirement savings and, I, and I've lived a double life. I'm so sorry. And the wife kind of patted her husband's hand and said, that's okay, honey. I'll be honest too. I knew all about it. And that's why I poisoned you. I'll be happy. When I pay my car off, I believe that grateful people are happy. And I've shared this. God spoke to me, not audibly, but the most I, one of the times that God spoke, I was worried about paying my car off. I was uncomfortable about paying my car off. I just, you know, I had this bill over my head and I was on a ship in the middle of nowhere. And so I prayed and I was out at the back of the ship and God laid on my heart, once you pay that off, there's going to be something else to worry about. And I was like, huh. And guess what? He was right. <laughs> you know, I paid that car off 20-something, and then I totaled it, but I paid that car off a long time ago. I totally paid it off, then I totally totaled it, okay? But it's gone. There's new things to worry about when you're uncomfortable. Or you could just be thankful. Because grateful people are happy. And that's where happiness comes from. That's why Paul spoke this word. I'm out of time, but Paul spoke this word. Uh, he said that he learned something. He said, I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content, to be grateful. He said, I know how to be a base. That means down. And I know how to abound. I know how to have a good time. Everywhere and in all things, I'm instructed to be both full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Does anyone know the next verse of Scripture? I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. You know, sometimes God will let us go through something and be uncomfortable just so God can develop us. So maybe God's developing that dirty P word. What? Dirty P. Patience. Maybe God is developing our character. Maybe God is developing uh, something in our life to make us better. That's what God's desire is. So when we're uncomfortable, what can you do? Well, you can give God glory and give him thanks. And I'd like to close with this, the same scripture, because when we're thankful, the peace of God will rule in our hearts. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. To the which also ye are called in one body, in the body of Jesus Christ, that's the church, and be ye thankful. Through this holiday season, the peace of God can keep you 24 hours a day. But the antidote for the poison is to just be thankful. Not to read about it, not to listen to a podcast about it, but to practice. I'm a practicing thankful person. You can even tell someone, oh, I'm practicing thankfulness, right? So really, how do you do that? Just being thankful. And I, you know, make a list when you're driving. Be thankful for all the stuff you have. Someone said that the average American household has like 300,000 items. Did you even know you had that much stuff? Be thankful for it. That's a, that's a lot of stuff. I don't know how they count roof tiles or something like that. But 
Be thankful. Have you ever looked in your clothes closet and just said, God, thank you for that. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Counted all your shoes, you know, and said, I got 20 pairs of shoes. God, thank you for every pair of shoes that I have. I think Brother Chris was telling me about a prime minister. Didn't he borrow a pair of shoes or rent a pair of shoes? And, I mean, that's, brethren, there's people that have nothing. In America, we're blessed, right, with stuff. But there's countries where people have nothing. But you know what? They can still choose to be thankful. Because if you're thankful with nothing, then you can be thankful when God blesses you with something. And all those times in between the paydays, you can thank God that you're forgiven. T-G-I-F. Amen. God bless you is our prayer. Brother Chris, could you dismiss us in prayer? Thanksgiving service here Thursday and uh, Sunday. And hey, happy travels. Happy Thanksgiving.